Good morning. <laughs> Hello, everybody watching online. I'm getting set up here. Uh, is Elijah here? Elijah Enriquez? I can't see the good. Oh, there you are. I didn't even see you. Elijah is leaving today to go into the Marines. I think that's a big deal. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, we're going to pray for him at the end of service. So if uh, you're around, uh, please hang out with us as the pastors pray for him. Uh, Elijah grew up here at Grace and Peace, and it's always exciting when one of our young men or women enter the Marines. So maybe the former Marines out there, you might want to hang around and lend a hand in prayer. Amen. We wish you well, brother. But Lord, grace on your life. And uh, I think my message today might speak to you. Yeah. But uh, we, we just uh, are very honored uh, at what you're doing, so praise the Lord. And if you get a chance, stuff some money in his pocket. I'm sure you could use it. It'd be nice, you know. All right. Praise the Lord. I mean that, seriously. All right. L let's just pray here. Father God, we thank you today that the Word of God is going forth. We thank you, Lord God, that um, we can leave here with it in our hearts. Father God, my words aren't important. Your Word is important. We ask, Father God, that... Um, a connection is made to our hearts today, Father, as we leave greater than we first came in, Father, with the Word in us. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our pastors are in a Sunday sermon series entitled Wisdom for Living. And this is our fifth presentation in that. And, you know, when we talk about wisdom for living, uh, one aspect is how about where we work? We need wisdom where we work place our hands and our feet to work. That's my, basically my message today is our work matters to God. And as a Marine, your work matters to God. Amen. So surely this is a topic where we need wisdom operating in our lives. Because when it comes to work, what we do for our livelihood, we're talking about uh, our work, yes, but we need to make this my work personal. And I'm speaking, of course, of our labor natural, our jobs, our careers, our, the work we put our hand to do to earn our daily wage. Too many Christians, unfortunately, live very frustrated lives regarding in the work they do and the work they put their hand to do. I've met many, many over the years. They hate their jobs. Uh, they're unhappy with the people they work with. They're unsatisfied with their pay. They often feel trapped with no way out. I know the feeling. That's happened to me at one time before the church hired me. I worked for a military manufacturing plant, and I was a production planner, and um, it was tough for all those reasons. It was tough. And I chose as a believer to do like David did, encourage myself in the Lord, uh, that my future, I realize, is not here, but I'm going to work as unto the Lord and uh, trust my God for my future. And keep in mind that God moves suddenlies. Suddenlies are a big deal. God does suddenlies. Never underestimate him for that. And quite suddenly, uh, about a, maybe a few months before I was uh, hired by the Church of Grace and Peace in August of 87, uh, Pastor Walt had uh, given me this card that he made on his computer. In those days, computers were very simplistic. They were kind of like little line drawings and stuff. And it said, you put wind in my sails. Only Walter Healy writes a card like that. And he opened it up. And it was basically quoted Psalm, uh, Psalm, First uh, Corinthians chapter nine, where it said, uh, you know, about uh, he wrote, uh, "You've been threshing out the grain for too long without eating the, the fruit thereof." I'm like, what is this guy talking about? So I think I got this. Okay, I think I got what he meant. And what that was in my life was a suddenly, I was unable to change anything, and God, in a suddenly, 
uh, the church hired me as uh, the associate pastor here back in those days. Uh, we were only, I was only the third employee of the church. Our first was our church secretary, then they hired Pastor Walt, and then myself. Uh, so I do know that what it's like to be in jobs where you're saying, why am I here? I do get that. Uh, many folks work jobs that um, they're have-to jobs, not want-to jobs. I get that. That's real. So many people over the years uh, feel their jobs are meaningless. They're unfruitful. They believe they have no spiritual purpose. And yet, I also met so many folks who believe if only I had a Christian job, all would be well. Often I hear people say they don't want to work with such vulgar people, immoral people, bosses from hell, all that kind of stuff. And you know, it's interesting because 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul tells us that believers uh, can't get away from the undesirable, immoral people in this world. He tells us, for then you would have to leave the world, right? So Paul is telling us here, we can't run from the world around us. We're not, they're not leaving us, they're our mission field. So we have to realize that. So I've spoken to many good Christians over the years, good people, who believe they want a Christian job. Well, uh, one of the purposes I have for us today is to realize and understand that finding a Christian job should not be our goal. Our goal should be being a Christian in a job. That's what really matters, being a Christian in a job. And I know many of you truly believe that. Uh, just trying to find a Christian job, I think for so many, will just lead to frustration. And I keep in mind a statistic I once heard many years back that less than 2% of the body of Christ ever earns their living from the gospel. Wow, that's not a lot of people. And most of those, it's not a living wage. It's a part-time wage or a basic wage. So there's not those many jobs out there. Um, I remember Joyce Myers uh, said one time at a conference that she had, she had a very large organization, obviously, and people in her organization were complaining that she wasn't offering retirement benefits. She was like, what? <laughs> uh, she was like, what, what are you people here? This is, this is like a one-stop uh, shop for, for life? Uh, she couldn't believe the attitude her own employees had. Um, so the point is, it's not as if it's just a Christian job we're looking for. If that's just it, we've missed it. Uh, Christian work isn't a job. It's a vocation, usually, that's being uh, fulfilled. Uh, many people who are employed in vocational work uh, are ordained by God to do that. Holy Spirit sets this up for this person's life. Uh, so it's not a, a me want to thing, it's a God appointed thing. Uh, many who serve the Lord, they serve for very diligent hours and receive no financial remuneration. Their work is just as valuable as those who do earn their uh, ministerial work from the gospel. And when you look at the gospels here, apparently Paul didn't occasionally have any income coming in from what he did. He had to make tents. He was a tent maker majority of the time. So the point here is we need to be a Christian in a job. That's what matters. So if you're doing your fill in the blanks there, your very first one is all our work matters to God. Really important we leave here today with this understanding. All our work matters to God. And I have four basic reasons why I just want to share today of why our work matters to God. Your second fill in the blank here is number one, our work is a worship unto the Lord. Very important we see it that way. 
This is one of the most important and most basic issues that we have to consider. When I'm working, I'm worshiping the Lord through my work. Oddly enough, it's not a biblical saying. It's a secular saying, work is worship. I don't know if you've ever heard that expression. It's not a biblical saying. It's a secular one. Uh, in fact, even Sigmund Freud said the purpose of life was to love and to work. Now, I think as believers, we know better the purpose of life is to live for the praise of his glory. But that's how folks see this. And um, so actually, biblically, work is worship, but it's said in a different way. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, I think you have that as a memory verse there. For whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And hardly here from the Phillips translation says, put your whole heart and soul into it. Weymouth translation, let your hearts be in your work. And there's the key that the Lord is the Lord whom we serve. When we do our work as unto the Lord, then we're worshiping him. We want him to be our true employer. And if we are business employers, then we want him to be the true CEO of our company. If he is, then we're going to make decisions that reflect that, for sure. So what we do with our time, the work of our hands, our labors, our careers, is supposed to be a worship unto the Lord. Wisdom for Christian living. This is an important one for us. This must be our attitude. All work, then, is honorable, whether tie or no tie, sweat or no sweat. No matter how much we earn financially, I am worshiping the Lord when I'm on the job. Right? The world would judge us by how much we earn, but God judges us by what do we do with what we earn? Is it devoted to the Lord? Is my life devoted to the Lord? When I give into the gospel, I'm giving you my sweat, body of Christ. I'm giving you my sweat, Lord's church. This represents my life's being that I, that I earn money from, and I'm giving it back to the Lord to worship him. That's why giving is so important. You're giving your life unto him, saying, Lord, you are the worship of my life, not by what I earn. Uh, so that becomes a big issue. Uh, so is my attitude as a worshiper then on the job going to be a sweet fragrance unto the Lord, or is it going to be a stench in his nostrils? It's our choice. Choosing to work on your work heartily unto the Lord and to worship him in it, that's got to be where I've got to be coming from. On your third fill in the blank here, number two, we need to represent Christ to a lost and dying world. This is very important. Don't believe me because I said it. Let's believe Jesus. I'm sure you've heard these verses. Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be seen, uh, hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, for it gives light to all in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. How about that? So where can we be seen most, I think, for all of us as a light in this world? For most people, it's on their job. That's where you're going to meet the most diverse people that you don't see in church, right? Wherever we work, we work as we are representing Christ. We really have to get this. Where I place my, I'm very serious, where I place my foot when I labor becomes holy ground because I'm standing on it. You bring Jesus into the building. Holy Spirit entered the building because you entered the building. 
where you put your foot is holy ground. It has to be my attitude. Yeah, you don't want to be, it's not an arrogant thing, but it's a, hey, Spirit of God just walked in here today, I'm here. That has to be the view. Our businesses that you work in, they're blessed because you're there. And you get to pray for your employer. How about that? Hey, a true story uh, where that really became real to me many years ago when I had worked in a military manufacturing plant. I knew a lady, uh, she was in purchasing. Uh, I think she was a senior purchaser. Her name was Harriet. I'm sure she's gone home to be with the Lord because she was very ready for retirement then. And uh, she told me a story uh, because we uh, had a problem. We weren't getting many military contracts. The Pentagon didn't like us too much because we didn't do things very well. <laughs> Uh, the Navy liked us, so we got a lot of uh, work from the Navy, but it was always a subcontract of a subcontract. We never would get them directly from the Pentagon. That was rare. And uh, so Harriet was in church one night. It was a Wednesday night, and their Wednesday night custom was at the end of the night, everybody came to the altar, and they prayed for 10 minutes uh, for people's prayer requests. And the pastor had said, is there a prayer request here we can pray? Perhaps that's not for ourselves. Obviously, people like to pray for themselves. And uh, Harry said, yes, I'd like to pray for my employer. Uh, we're a government contractor, and we're not getting many contracts. And if we don't get them, hundreds will lose their jobs. We really need government contracts. Uh, and so they all prayed. Anyway, um, when I saw Harriet, uh, I think it was about, they had hired me about six months later. And I was talking with her. It was nice to know there were other Christians working there besides myself. And Harriet was a real sweet lady. And uh, she said, yes, we were praying for the, for the name of the company while I was uh, here. And uh, we've got a lot more contracts now. And I kind of looked at her like, you prayed for this place? And I thought, wow, how novel, a real Christian. Wow. Said volumes to me, because it certainly would have crossed my mind. Wow. I learned a lot from that lady. Yeah, we need to pray for our employers. So this is far more going beyond a day's wage here that's happening. A man or a woman of God on the job, Jesus is therefore on the job. So our presence here is Jesus among this world to those who need him. Uh, we need to see ourselves like this, that we are those that can be used of the Lord no matter where we work and no matter how ugly your employer is. It doesn't matter. We can be used of the Lord. Related here to number two on your fill in the blank, number four is number three strange. Number three, you are a carrier of the word of truth. You are a carrier of truth. Do you see yourselves that way? That when you walk around, truth is inside of you, and it's going to be seen by your mouth and by your behavior. You will meet people that need the truth you have in you, and you can be a speaker of truth to them. There's an old expression, don't know where it came from. It said, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Boy, that says a lot, doesn't it? Because um, our actions say far more than our words do and have far more impact than our words do. That's the point here. Uh, our, our actions show that we're speakers and livers of truth. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, we tend to think of this as Christians here that we need to encourage. But let's remember, there's a whole world out there that doesn't know Christ that needs encouragement. But encourage one another every day. So as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Well, of course, we don't want to see that happen to believers, but how about the people we work with that don't even know Christ? They're in the sinfulness and deceitfulness of sin. There are sinful attitudes people hold, and you can be an encourager to them to avoid sin. Make sure, of course, this is on your time, not your employer's time. 
Otherwise, you're stealing your employer's time. Use your own break time, your own pre-work, after-work time, lunch time, your time. But you have the answers people need. And you have the encouragement in you to minister to them. Let's use some examples here. I remember one time I had worked at this military place. And uh, the head supervisor I had, he wasn't a very friendly guy. I did not know he was a backslidden Christian. He didn't go to church anymore. He had a massive attitude. So I was leaving the uh, place that day. I said, hey, you know, I go to a prayer meeting on a Friday night. It was the Healy's prayer meeting. And uh, can I bring any prayer requests with me? I don't even know this guy. I don't even know who he is. Do you have any prayer requests I can bring along? And he was shocked that I asked. He went, yeah, my sister's dying. Oh, would you, we can bring, what, what would you like me to pray for? And he let me know. And that guy eventually came back to Christ and walked with the Lord, eventually. If I didn't ask that I asked, he didn't know anything about me, I didn't know anything about him, that I asked enough to care about, do you have any prayer requests? I can bring them along. What's the big deal? That's easy. Uh, he was just so touched, somebody would even ask. Changed his life. And uh, that's the way it should be. We need to, in other words, with our words, with our actions, we should be sowing kindness to other people we work with. We should be sowing words of encouragement to them. We should be speaking grace to them. What does that mean, speaking grace? Don't, first of all, don't be a complainer when you work. I mean, everyone knows we work with people, they complain right and left. Don't join in. Don't feed them. Rather speak grace to them. You know, words like um, so many things we could say to them. Hey, you know, I've been admiring the work you've been doing. People don't work like you do. You're, you, this place is really blessed to have you. You'd be surprised how people react. Nobody ever notices them. Nobody ever says a word nice to them that's encouraging to them. They see them as competition. Uh, and, and you're saying words that are kind to them, and you didn't ask for anything back. Uh, or if you learned something from someone, did you say, hey, thanks for what you taught me. I, I'm, I'm doing a better job here because of you. These are sowing words of grace to people. And, 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 and as far as evangelism goes, this is called building bridges. You just build a bridge to their life. Um, you're speaking grace to them, and um, they're going to remember that. And your words can change their lives. That's what you're doing, speaking truth to people, offering them even hope by speaking words of encouragement. Okay, here, uh, your fifth fill in the blank here, which is number four. Let's agree with God's word that our work does matter and has purpose. We should never have the view, what I do has no purpose. Unless you do something evil and sinful, then leave your job. But uh, assuming you don't do that. Uh, what I do has purpose because it matters to the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 18. Here is what I have seen to be good and fitting to eat, to drink, and enjoy oneself in all one's labor in which he labors under the sun during the few years of life which God has given him. And this, for this, is his reward. Our labor is our reward. Isn't that something? Our work does matter to God. Our labor is our reward. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 here shows us our labor is a reward unto the Lord, from the Lord. Therefore, it does matter to the Lord. The book of Ecclesiastes has a lot to say about negative attitudes towards work and labor. It's been called the evangelism book of the Old Testament because it, it shows the, uh, that life is meaningless without a life devoted to God. Everything is just meaningless. But when we're of the Lord, that's not so. We are of the household of faith. And our work, rather, has great meaning.
So when you see scriptures to this, like in Ecclesiastes, which tells us our work has a reward, receive it. Don't tear it out of your Bible. Change your attitude. How many people, my gosh, they go to a Bible verse. Oh, I don't like that. They rip it out. Oh, no, I don't agree with that. They rip it out. How about this is right, I'm wrong. I have to change and agree with this. That's like a Christianity 101. You know, let's start to agree with God's Word. And what we're talking about today is let's agree with God's Word that what I do does matter to the Lord. And therefore, I want to matter as a believer in what I touch. I just saw a guy after service. He was sitting over there after the first service. And he's, uh, he works with his hands. And he said, every single day of my life, I get up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord. May these hands bless everything I touch today for you. Yes! A believer. And a lot of the work he does is not that nice. It's like yuck work. We would consider it yuck. But it has value in the Lord. And he has value in doing it. And I know this guy blesses people when he works. Um, so, you know, I know as an example here, money's a big issue. I get it. Everyone wants to earn more money. But um, in Luke chapter 3, you know, here Jesus tells Roman soldiers, obviously they must have been complaining about, they weren't getting paid enough. And he tells Roman soldiers, be content with your wages. Wow. I don't know much about the first century, but I'm pretty sure this was not a popular scripture for people to put on their refrigerators. I'm pretty sure of that one. Uh, how about that? How about that? Be content with your wages. So money here, we're learning, is not the most important issue. I'm not saying it's a small issue. It's important. Uh, John Wesley, uh, founder of Methodism, his maximum of life was earn all the money you can, save all the money you can, give all the money you can. His point was if you practice that, you've honored the Lord. You're certainly correct. And uh, the Methodists in those days were known for being industrious, to earn as much as they possibly could. So, yeah, it, it's important. I get it. But uh, this has to come from a settled heart, though, that while I'm on the job, I represent Christ. I will not disgrace the gospel. I can trust the Lord that he knows how to promote me. That's the key. God does suddenly, so we have to trust him. My faithfulness to my employer, will be, which is in secret, which God sees in secret, which will be uh, rewarded in my faithfulness openly to others. God does reward faithfulness. Another reason why, amen, another reason why we walk in faith, because we trust him, that he sees, and I can trust him with what he sees. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 20. A faithful person will abound in blessings, but one who hurries to be rich will not go unpunished. Faithful person could be on the job. It could be service and ministry. It doesn't matter. A faithful person abounds in blessings. Proverbs chapter 4 here, verses 7 and 8 out of the King James. Wisdom is the principal thing. Oh, there's that wisdom word again. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. When we embrace the truth of God's word, that I will be faithful. I will do my work unto the Lord. Wisdom is being operated by me, and God knows how to promote wisdom. And you know, the odd thing is people will notice words of wisdom, and people will uh, openly notice those actions of wisdom. I remember same place I had worked, they transferred me to a different plant, and um, there was like a big um, mailbox 
post office for IBM. All the computer cards that they didn't like, they sent there, and they sent them to other IBMs. Anyway, and uh, <clears throat> one of the ladies who worked there was a supervisor. She was a Christian, and she was from, I think, the Bahamas. I don't think she was from Jamaica, from the Bahamas. And she had, she had a British accent. So she's from the Bahamas, I think. And she had just come to this country and got a job on the assembly line as at a minimum wage, sorting this stuff out. And the people there noticed who were the supervisors. She starts earlier than anybody else, then goes punching in. She stays, punches out, and then stays later than everybody else. And they walked up and say, why are you doing this? Well, I came here to work. I want to work. There's still work that has to be done. I'm not finished. They made her the supervisor of that entire line <laughs> because she would instill that into others who didn't like when she said that. She had no education and they made her the head supervisor for that line because she had an integrity kept which came from the wisdom of God's word. She lived it out. She wasn't putting it in anybody's face, just working. And they said, we noticed we're doing something about this. You don't belong on an assembly line. You belong supervising this line. So I knew, I knew that lady personally. Praise the Lord. Don't know where she is today, but I know she's blessed. Praise God. So now in our Sunday service uh, here, uh, I talked about, uh, that I spoke on wisdom on July 16th. I said we look to Jesus. We look to the Word of God for wisdom that we need in life. So obviously that applies here. Uh, we don't want men's opinions about our work. We don't want our educational structure to tell us how to do this. We don't want our society to tell us. We only want Jesus and his word to motivate us in what we put our hands to do. So let's look to Jesus and he will bring us vision that we need to chart the course of our lives. Not our careers to chart the course of our lives. Him bringing vision to us to chart the course of our lives. A vision, uh, having a vision, I will serve the Lord and my life will be greater than having a career. I'll make vision decisions, not career decisions. Because our work matters to him, I make decisions that honor him. So God's vision here for your life is important that we find it and live it out. And wherever we work, I'm living out God's vision for my life. So as I had said the last Sunday I spoke, we need to embrace Jesus. If we embrace him, we found wisdom. His wisdom will not uh, do anything but promote us in this life the way we need to be promoted. We don't trust in our employer. We trust in him. Again, God knows how to promote faithfulness. We need to listen to him. I remember many years back, oh my gosh, early 80s, we were at a prayer meeting, and this particular guy who was at the prayer meeting, the Christian, he had a very good job, paid well, he had no education, but he had a very good job where he worked. And, but I don't know what was in his heart, none of my business, but the person speaking looked at him and said, I have a word for the Lord from you. Don't trust your employer. Don't trust your job. And I guess in himself, he was. Guess what? Massive layoff. He lost his job. He had to start a whole new career. God didn't warn him, right, for nothing. He got warned up front, don't trust in your employer. And he goes, I don't know why, but the Lord's telling me to tell you this. I don't think he listened too well. And wow, rug got pulled out from under a lot of people in that place. And he had to start literally a whole new career. Wow. God will warn us, but we need to keep our eyes on him. So as long as we labor, we want to desire in our hearts that I can trust him all my days. I look not to my employer, 
my job, my ability, my education. I look to him and to him alone for my days ahead. So as we go to communion today, <clears throat> I want to close. Um, this is all about attitudes that we have at work, right? <laughs> I'm going to close with an attitude that we should have about our labors. It's a good one to leave you with. I saw it many years ago. It comes from a motto that laborers who built the great cathedrals in the Middle Ages and in the early Renaissance that they had. Uh, the guy who does my HVAC at my house, uh, he was a Christian. He has sold the company since. But I went to his office one day. He had this big poster on the wall. And I never forgot it. And I made sure I, I made a comment to myself. It's an ethic he worked with. And this, here's what it is. These people who built these cathedrals, they labored with a mission that they believed they had. They took pride in their work. They believed in what they did, uh, what they accomplished with their hands had value and importance far more than they were important. So here was their motto. If 500 years from now, people look at these cathedrals I have built and don't remember me who built them, but do admire the work I did, then that will be fine by me. That was their motto. They did their work unto the Lord. So where we're more concerned about, we should be more concerned about what does God think of us, not about what people think about me on the job and my work ethic. What does God think about me? Am I really working for him? If I am, no matter what I do, no matter how much I earn, my work matters to the Lord. Amen. Why don't you take out your communions there? And as I do mine, oh, they pre-helped me here. They're so nice because they know I'm clumsy. Okay, they pre-helped me. Hey, if you've ever spilled grape juice, don't feel bad. I did already. Okay. Uh, we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 here on communion. So much could be said. Here in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul tells us he received this from the Lord. This is interesting because more than likely what you're about to look at in 1 Corinthians 11, and tells us in Acts 14, if you remember, Paul was stoned to death and the body of Christ got around him and raised him from the dead. And off he went. And more than likely... That was when he talked about in Corinthians where he went to the third heaven and he received a great revelation from God. We call it the Pauline revelation that we're justified by faith, not by works. And there's much of it. And obviously right there, he received what he's sharing here in 1 Corinthians 11. He didn't get this from the apostles. He says here in verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I deliver uh, to you. How about this? This is a direct revelation he got from heaven. More than likely, it's supposed, when he was there in the third heaven. It says a lot here. We're not going to go through the whole thing. But the highlight here, Jesus talks about his body, his blood. It's very important that we are the body of Christ. Amen? Uh, one of our elders here many years back held up the piece of the uh, bread at the time and said, you know, if you look at this, you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of pieces of grain all mashed together. And that's us. Each and every one of us are not an island unto ourselves. We're mushed right together there with that person next to you. You may not want to be mushed next to them, but you are mushed right next to them. We're all part of the body of Christ. It's beautiful, the body of Christ. We need to see it that way. Amen. Say to the person to your right. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Say to the person to your right. You're important. Now say to the person to the left, and not to offend it that they're on your left. Say to the person that we're in first. Say to the person on the left, you're important. Some of you did that to the right and to the left. Very interesting. 
Anyway, uh, the body of Christ is beautiful. It's important. It has value. Us being mushed together was God's idea. We can't say to the person next to you, I don't need you. Yes, you do. If you need Jesus, you need them because we're related. And Paul goes on to tell us here in verse uh, 27 and 28 that we don't want to eat and drink here in an unworthy manner. In other words, we need to appreciate the respect that we have to what the Lord has done in putting us together as the body of Christ. Sin at the Lord's table is to always disregard the body of Christ. And it's a selfish thing. No, it's an it's a unselfish thing. These people are important to me because Jesus put them in my life. And my life's important to them and their lives are important to me. We are mushed together. It's important. And it also tells us that we should examine ourselves, that we would be worthy. And we have here, um, examining ourselves isn't, doesn't mean, okay, got to think of all the sins I did last time I had communion. No, that's not what this is about. Are you in the faith? Is your eyes on Jesus? He, all he ever asks us is that we trust him and believe him. Are you doing that? Are you in the faith? And as we examine ourselves and say, I'm in the faith, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. And I appreciate the body of Christ that I am mushed with. Thank you, Lord, for the beauty of the body of Christ. We are all one in you. Then Christians will truly be known by their love. Let's take a, a moment there briefly to examine ourselves. Are we in the faith? Are we trusting Jesus for our eternity? Have we appreciated the body of Christ? And if that's new to you, uh, telling Jesus you trust him with your eternity, we'd love to pray with you at the altar today when the service is over. Folks would like to pray with you what that means. They'd be honored to. But for now, as we are saying, Jesus, we trust you with our eternity in these days ahead. We thank you, Father God, that you've placed us in your body. And you are its head. And we are one together. Let's receive communion in gratitude for his covenant in our lives. Let's pray here. Father God, we just thank you that we are in the body. We're in the body of Christ and Jesus, you are Lord over it. We live, Lord, for the praise of your glory. We live, Lord God, in all that we put our hands to do that would honor you, Father. Help us, Father God, in the days ahead to live out just that way. Help us, Father God, in the days ahead to appreciate the beauty of the body of Christ, knowing that each of these people are important to me because they're important to you and you've placed me alongside of them. That, Lord God, we would love you, love one another for the praise of your glory. We thank you for this today in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you received something today. If you need prayer, please come over. The altar here is available for people for prayer. If you're new here, we have a welcome room right over there. Folks would like to say hello to you. They have a gift for you. Serve the Lord with gladness.